Welcome to Space Cowboys, a podcast about the CW network show Roswell, New Mexico. This episode of our Space Cowboys podcast brings you an exclusive interview for our Fierce Female series. Pure Fandom's Fierce Female series highlights badass women in the TV, film, and entertainment industry, giving you more incredible women to look up to as a fan, industry hopeful, and incredible woman yourself. Celebrate you, girl. Myself, Liz Prue, and co-host Meg Bonney had the pleasure of chatting with the founders of ATX Festival, Caitlin McFarland and Emily Gibson, before a live screening of Roswell, New Mexico in Austin, Texas at Alamo Drafthouse Cinema. ATX Festival is a four-day event that celebrates the television medium. Looking back at its history, where it is now, and where it's headed, the festival consists of panels, screenings, and events where attendees and leaders in the industry talk, watch, and experience television together as one community. The festival is more than a weekend of panels with fans and celebs speaking out. It's a television experience. It's one of those festivals that following a panel of one of your favorite TV series, you can grab a drink with the show stars after. It's for TV fans, writers, directors, producers, and those that want to immerse themselves more in the industry. Overall, it's TV camp that doesn't judge you for your love of binging the small screen. Meg and I were thrilled to connect with two fierce female trailblazers in the industry. Tune in as Meg and I chat with Caitlin and Emily about why TV is the most community-driven medium and how social media has helped elevate those communities, their thoughts on how the industry scales the demand for content while maintaining value and quality, their favorite female-led projects, which TV series they are most upset was canceled, and much more. Plus, Roswell, New Mexico showrunner Karina McKenzie crashes the podcast to say hi. Want more podcast fun? Tune in to ATX Festival's hit podcast, TV Campfire, on iTunes and Stitcher. Ladies, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. We're we'll say it in unison. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Rehearsals, I like it. Yeah. Um, so obviously we're here for the Roswell New Mexico screening at Alamo Draft House. You ladies are the fierce founders of ATX Festival. I like that. Fierce founders. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Could you can steal it. Um, before we dive in, can you each just give us like your two-minute background of who you are, what you do, what you're passionate about? Yes, uh, this is Caitlin. I am a co-founder, co-executive director of ATX Television Festival. Um, formerly unemployed, formerly assistant, formerly like many other things before that very fancy title. Um, so I had a program, newly actually, we've reorganized ourselves so we're not all doing the same job. It's much more efficient if you have real job titles and um, descriptions. So I am now heading up the programming side of the festival. And I am passionate, obviously, about television, but really about our community. The, the, the people that make up the television festival, be it the industry and the fans and our family, which is not just the people we're related to, but that's what makes us do it, makes me do it. Um, I'm going to sound very similar. Uh, this is Emily, and I'm the other co-executive director, co-founder of ATX, and so uh, on the other side, I'm overseeing more the operations, so the day-to-day uh, -day logistics of how the festival comes to be on the ground, and uh, I mean, it really is 
definitely stealing your words, uh, it is the community that drives us. I mean, we love story and we love the programming. We obviously love television. And that was why we started the festival. But the thing that keeps us going is the community that comes together really not just over the four days in June, but now year-round at things like this, where you get to see the attendees out during the year coming together and celebrating TV and experiencing something together that they love. And it's much more about being together than it is even watching the show at times. Totally. I mean, you see even now on social media, like, people, the live tweet of a show Mm -hmm. is just as important as watching the show yeah we used to talk about it at the beginning like tv in some ways feels like a very singular kind of medium like you may watch with like your spouse or your family or you know their watch parties to a certain extent i actually don't know how big those are anymore but like when i like lived in new york people would go to bars to watch sex in the city and that kind Mm -hmm. of thing but it always felt like in some ways as a medium it was very singular and at the same time it was somehow the most community-driven medium. Like, if you met somebody on a plane that loved the same show as you, you knew the same people. Like, you were friends immediately. And I think Twitter and social media has helped that community become more physical and more real. But, like, it's so about the amount of time you spend with these characters and the people that you share that with. Do you think... um, I read something recently about when Lost was kind of the big boom of Mm -hmm. bringing the golden age of TV back and they kind of jump-started transmedia with their website, and they had the blog, you know, and it was like the first TV show to do that. Do you think that that was already on the way with TV, or do you think shows like that kind of jump-started creating those online communities? I think that, that like, it was on the way. Like, if it wasn't lost, it was going to be something else. I think that that show had a lot of theories happening, and so, like, being online to, like, kind of talk about what do the numbers mean and, like, tracking it and things like that but I think Twitter was on the way regardless and that was going to lend itself to some sort of digital live viewing or Reddit or something else Mm -hmm. that like something else would have driven it and that that conversation was going to be happening online outside I mean it was happening way before that with like television without pity and like message boards and things it just kept like fine like fine-tuning itself Mm -hmm. it is funny to think though about that perfect timing of Twitter taking off at the same time Lost is happening, because it would have been really interesting to see what that Lost fan base would have done had social media not been where it was, because I feel like they still would have found each other, Mm -hmm. there just happened to be this new platform that gave them a new way to talk about the show, but it would have been really cool to see, had that not been the case, how they would have come together. And how do you guys see Twitter and just social media in general? Like, how does that play into the festival? Has that grown over the years, the community online as well? I mean, we're still figuring out how to use it best, but I mean, in one way, we, a big, the festival is founded on Kickstarter, and Twitter was a big part of the festival the first years. We found a lot of our panelists via Twitter. We would tweet at Jane Espenson or Kyle Killen, and like, eventually convince them to come. I think people actually trusted Twitter a little bit more than like it felt safer in a lot of ways. It felt smaller. Um, I don't think we could get to the, we still like last year she hasn't come, but we like tweeted with Megan Amram, um, who was doing a, an Emmy campaign for her, like her, she's a writer and we ended up talking to her. So I think it could still work, but it's funny that at the beginning of the festival, Twitter was always a big part of it. I think now we're looking at ways to engage to continue to engage when you also add in Instagram and 
any other number of things that I will sound very old if I feel like this. <laughs> but like, the how snap. do you, yeah, how yeah. do you make them all talk to each other? How are they all different, yeah. but still a singular community? That's our big sort of goal now is to make sure that that's together. For us, it's really utilizing it to keep the community feeling like a community year-round because everyone comes together even in June or at the year-round events and then everyone scatters so it's but they still love each other and want to talk so how can we provide a place on these platforms that already exist because we're not creating a new platform but how we can help facilitate the conversation between them so they still feel like they are part of this community using these platforms during the rest of the year. I will say the thing that's changed though is like I watched my first Facebook show this this year so like the fact that the social media platforms are also making content and I think probably out of those like Facebook is doing the best job of it like Sorry for Your Loss is a really great show that got a lot of attention they've got at least three or four other ones that people are watching you have to figure out how and where to watch it I ended up watching mine like on a smart TV which helped me because it was still TV like yeah I wasn't gonna watch it on my phone um, but I think that's probably what's changing in a way that I definitely wouldn't have seen in 2012 when we were starting the festival that just this year feels like it's moving into legitimacy in a way that it's been sort of written off in the past. So you guys do a lot of shows at the festival, like a lot of nostalgia type panels, which is awesome. Reunions, pilots that never were, or pilots that took off and were gone too soon, or shows that took off and were gone too soon. Do you think that off the top of your head, can you think of any shows like, oh, had streaming been around when the show was on? Like Firefly, you know, is an obvious oh, one or less something. Less streaming, but, but recently you said Sweet Vicious, if it came out a year later after Me Too, it would have stuck around. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that it was just a little too soon and had it come out now. Absolutely. And I also think, I mean, so much of it is in marketing and uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't blame any of these studios or networks, but sometimes they're just... It feels like they're just not aware of who all their audience can be and how to let people know what the show is and let people know that the show exists. And I feel like Sweet Vicious was definitely one of those that, oh my gosh, had it taken, had it come out, I mean, even six months later, yeah, it would have, it would have taken over the just world. Blown up. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, speaking of canceled shows, is there? We've seen a lot of them get canceled recently. Is there one maybe that comes to mind that you're just the most devastated about, or one that you wish would get a second chance? Well, that was that would that would say in the immediate future that was number one. Absolutely. Um, you were pretty upset about Timeless. Oh, I mean, um, you, you were excited about the movie, but no, I was really heartbroken. I love that show. I'm glad that there was a nice wrap up. But I do absolutely love that show. Um, but then there's shows like Veronica Mars. I mean, I was completely heartbroken, and now it not only got a second iteration in the movie, now it's getting a third iteration on at Hulu. So I'm trying to think of something that's just like dead and gone that I'm devastated about. I mean, way back when would have been like a My So Called Life or something like that. Oh yeah, I mean, that's a very obvious one, but like it's only got so many, and it's. Yeah. I mean, there's shows that have ended that I want more of, but not. I'm kind of against like the reboot remakes. Yeah. Like, I'm, I've got a threshold for those, and I like a wrap-up movie. That's great. But yeah. like the bringing back of things, honestly, even things that were around a while, <laughs> I'm sort of like, can yeah. we not? Can we not? Yeah. I'll just rewatch the ones that we had. <laughs> I know. Unless it's Roswell and about aliens. That is true. Right? Yes. yes. And, I, and I think that's different. I'm actually more into the reboot than the, like, like no offense because I did love it, but, like, the Will and Grace. Like, it was on for a long time. 
it would have been fun. I, I really was really excited to see their like campaign video, but like I just I don't know that I need more of that. Mm-hmm. Versus like Roswell is it is based on the books now, and like definitely it was a book first. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, it feels different enough, and I wasn't sure that it would. Like the first episode, all I was doing was like, "What's the same? What's different? What's the same? What's different? Know, right? Are we gonna go down this hole or this <laughs> hole?" Yeah. And I was like, I told myself, you have to watch three to four episodes of this show and let it be its own thing before you decide if you like it or not. I did. Spoiler alert! Not just saying that, but like it took me. At least, I think the first two episodes, I was like, oh, so that's a Nick Wexler character. I don't know. Okay, fine. Like, just, I had yeah. to let go of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's almost like like how the UK, they have the Red Nose Day specials. Mm-hmm. I'm like, can't we just do that? That's fine. Like, with Love Actually. That was great. I loved that Love yeah. Actually one. It was so cute. Like, and, and I did watch the Will and Grace revival, I yeah, yeah. I guess. And it was uh-huh. it's for a little while, but then I was like, I'll just watch the old ones. There's a lot of them. Oh, so, like, I watch, I think, like, whenever I get down a YouTube rabbit hole, like, I have to watch the Share Doll mm-hmm. one, yeah. you know, like, you made us wait an hour for a table for four, <laughs> you know, like, it's so good, but, yeah, so, reboots in doses. Yes. yes. Every think. once in a while, though, they nail it, like, yes. one day yeah. at a time. One day, I mean, yeah, but that's... Mm-hmm. Remake versus I used to. I, I used to be able to identify the reboot, the remake, or the revival. They are all different. But yeah. one day at a time goes into the Roswell category. Yes, absolutely. Like, I the thing I'm the most against is the like it's been ten or fifteen years. Let's get the exact same people back and do it again. Mm-hmm. Like of a time. Yes. I'm, mm-hmm. Yes. I'm see something else. I agree. But the nice thing with like the Hulu and Veronica Mars, yeah, it existed on such a teen network and a teen audience, and now like we're all older, mm-hmm. and now they can swear on Hulu and like <laughs> sex scenes on Hulu. Yeah. We're like, yes. hey, so kind of like it grew with us. Yes. So that's kind of yes. nice. Mm-hmm. Yes. So for in terms of TV evolving, we're starting to see more female-led shows, female-driven shows. Not just with the behind-the-scenes people, but, um, like, putting the female perspective first, mm-hmm. which is awesome. What are you currently really excited about in terms of, of course, Roswell, but <laughs> female-driven um, projects? It's funny. We actually, we're still working on who's on it, so I can't talk about it, but there is a panel that we're developing for the festival this year called The Female Gaze, and it really is shows from, like, most of them do have female showrunners and female creatives behind them, but shows whose perspective, point of view of the main characters and the story is from a female point of view. And not having it just be something light and fluffy to really like, you know, go into, I think we're talking to, these people aren't confirmed, but I think we're talking to like USA about some new shows that they have um, coming out that are fully female, like, and they're dark, like it's sort of the villain version. but I'm trying to think of my shows. But I but we are we've very much been in the reason my head went straight there was we've very much been in this headspace. Well that's I mean one of my favorite shows is Jane the Virgin. Yeah. And uh, I think it's I mean I'm devastated but also glad that it's ending because it's ending on their terms. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that that's such a great perspective of so many things that's brought to the table. Yeah. With it cra- I'm crazy ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Like I just love that is my yeah, jam. Like, I send, yeah. like, the videos to everyone, and I'm like, I don't care that you don't watch this show. Yeah. This applies to your life, and yeah. you need to watch this right now. Yeah, and the way that they've gone over their season art, too, like, their four seasons, which mm-hmm. they are also doing it on their terms. Like, they always pitched it as that link. Like, I just love the journey that it's taken. Um, 
Unfortunately, I'm just thinking about what I watched last night. My brain is so short. <laughs> or even film, too. Yeah. Because, you know, it's good for that, like, Patty Jenkins, you yeah. know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, crushing it. She has yeah. the um, Into the Night, right? Yeah, With, that uh, just ended. Chris, yeah. Pine. Chris Pine. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, and I have to do a miniseries <laughs> with Chris Pine. Yep. And she's, like, sweaty, sweaty, yes. sweaty and Done. angry yes. and solving murder. I know, right? And he's, like, yes. the only guy that can pull off a pinky ring. Have you noticed that? He's, like, always wearing <laughs> no, a pinky ring. No, that's all I'm going to see. Yeah, and he's always, like, got his legs crossed, you know, with loafers with no socks <laughs> and all of these interviews and I'm I just, like I don't care that you're wearing a pinky ring oh my gosh I love it it's working hey Roxit. yeah well your female gaze thing mm-hmm. actually just the first thing I thought of and I'm just gonna unofficially nominate yeah. a show yeah. for you is um, Winona Earp oh how yeah. they handle yeah. we had that pregnancy yeah, yeah. and like watching that show as a mother I was like oh my god they're not sidelining her they're not like putting a box in front of her belly she's mm-hmm. killing demons mm-hmm. and She's jiggling while she does it, and she's owning it. It was it was such a refreshing look yeah. at pregnancy, and then having it in that kind of space was really cool. Mm-hmm. And you could tell it was a female behind it because it wasn't like let's look at her big boobs because she's pregnant. And it was like <laughs> look at how high she can kick that demon. You know, like it's great. I love, I love that. that show. That's awesome. We'll take other nominations if you have. Yeah, I will be emailing you. The, there was something on Twitter recently. I think it was Grey's Anatomy, where they had one of the pregnant characters. She had sex with someone else, and like Twitter was all in a frenzy about it. Who was it? I think it was the writer of the episode or something that said, "Well, I picked it up because I'm a whale right now." <laughs> but it was like just because she's pregnant doesn't mean she's not horny, yeah. or doesn't mean that she doesn't want it. Yeah. Like you know, and it's yeah. just, and even me being pregnant, I'm like. Oh, you're right. I never see that on TV. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, I mean, half the time I tell my husband, like, don't touch don't me. Don't touch me. I'm like, your side. Really, I'm fine. 99.9% of the time. But, but still. But that's like 1% of the time. Exactly. To be on television, yeah. too. But it's like, we never see those perspectives on mm-hmm. TV. You know? So it was it was cool to see the clap back on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so as far as shows like, just curious on your opinion for shows like, Game of Thrones. They have these huge freaking budgets. You know, they're setting the new bar for epic fantasy shows and or action adventure shows like that. And then, of course, like you said, we have Facebook that has content now, and everyone's like, content, 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 I need more. How do you think the industry, like, what do you think the industry needs to do in order to scale, to keep quality, and... I know it's like a loaded no, question. I know, but it's interesting but something we do like, ask ourselves a lot. Like, because we've been watching, like we're talking to YouTube Premium about a show that they have coming out, and Facebook Watch. Like when you talk about quality, like their production values on those shows for like YouTube and Facebook, which I mean they have a bajillion dollars. Like Apple's about to make TV. You know the production value is going to be amazing. They've got like insane budgets. So I mean I do think there is a threshold. I think what's changing is the definition of a success because like, I mean people talk about this all the time but the number of people that watched Friends like it just doesn't happen like it's just never going to happen again like yeah. there used to be like three like even further back like three networks and those were your choices you now got 200 choices at any given time and so a success is no longer 20 million viewers it's I don't know what what is a success it's like 7, 10, 12 the you do have <laughs> not yeah. Game of Thrones aside, like what's a regular success? I don't. Everybody's deciding their 12 own. Twelve million. I don't know. I was watching. Facebook tells you, Facebook on it because it's like views, like a YouTube thing. Like it yeah. says the number of views, and I'm like, wow, their pilot to like episode two is like a million different. It's like they're having like two hundred thousand viewers on things, and I'm like, 
I mean, if that's a success for them, like, go well, for it. But the truth is, because, yeah, you may have 200 different options of channels and streaming and such, but then, I mean, on Netflix alone, you have oh, yeah. a bazillion options, yeah, and that is a real term. Um, but that, like, you... At any time, you sit down and you can say, okay, what's on my DVR right now? What's on my Netflix or Hulu queue? What am I need to watch next that just came out? But also, what are those shows, one, that I want to rewatch? Because there are things that sometimes you just want to rewatch. Yeah. Two, that I missed 10 years ago, that now is the time that I'm ready to watch something. And, and yeah. people get so overwhelmed by not wanting to watch a show or start a show that's already over because like well now I have to watch seven seasons yeah. of it and it's you're not and even yet, looking at somehow like last that. night I was like what do I watch totally I know you're it's a crippled by a decision <laughs> yes. I literally you know? was like my DV I keep my DVR pretty clean I'm pretty proud of it um, but there were some things on it but I didn't feel like watching any of them and I like scooted by Hulu and Amazon and Netflix's like home pages because I wasn't going to do a deep dive and I ended up watching Leaving Neverland which is extremely depressing. Oh but, like, yeah. yeah. I went there. Yeah I did. <laughs> okay. Somebody told me to and so I did. Was it Karina because she just told no, us about it? No it wasn't it. Karina. <laughs> it was some writers that we know that were like you need to watch this and I was yeah. like do I? <laughs> I wasn't planning on it but okay. Um, but I literally had that moment where I was like but what do I watch? I <laughs> There's, there's too so many much. choices. Yeah. And even like, so I watched Umbrella Academy recently. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't want to watch it because of like the hype of Bird Box and everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, is it just, and I didn't really, I thought Bird Box was like, okay. Yeah. So it was just like, ugh, is this even, like, do I want to actually invest the time to see if this is actually worth the hype mm-hmm. or not? And it was fine. Like, it yeah. was it was cool. But I'm like, would I have rather have turned on season two and three of Gilmore Girls when Jesse's there? Maybe. I know. That's also, you know? <laughs> and you feel the need at this point to watch all 10 episodes. Yeah. Even whether you're watching them all in a row or spreading it yeah, out. You're like, hard. No, I started the show. I mean, bad. it's entertaining enough that I want to keep going. Yes. Or I'm going to keep going. Or I just need to feel that I've completed something. That's so something. Mm-hmm. keep watching. Whereas I feel like it is halfway through. If you really stopped and think about it, and you're like, do I really want to watch the next episode? Or do I want to go back to the... Rory dance marathon episode of Gilmore Girls that always makes me happy they even sh- though yeah. I've seen they it. They shoot Gilmore's jump a thousand mm-hmm. times. Yes. yes. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Well Dang. done. Yep. <laughs> so nice trivia like, point. For the next 45 to an hour of my life, 45 minutes to an hour of my life, what do I really want to do? And if you actually really sat and made that choice, you would never finish certain shows. I, mean, I watched two seasons of Atypical in 36 hours. Yes, but that is a fantastic show <laughs> that everyone really should watch, and Coming I love to ATX season eight. Yes, it is a great show. That, oh, <laughs> it is very good. So good. So, like, speaking of, you know, Gilmore Girls, Friends, what is a show that you're just, like, ride or die, super fan, that you just love, new, old, whatever? We've had this, so we used to have the conversation of what's your favorite show. Emily has one. I will let her answer it. But I don't, wait, I wait, you will, you have one. Sorry. Um, That I usually have to go into categories and time periods and like, where was I at this age? What was this show? Uh And I'll usually have three to five. Emily does have a one and I'm jealous that she has a one. Well, I'm a Buffy girl. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I'm a, I know, and that's me, I am a, that is my number one all time, I'm a Buffy girl. Now I have other shows that I deeply love. Yeah. I mean, Friday Night Lights, obviously. Yeah, that's in my top five. The Office. Nope, not the I deeply love and brings me so much joy. I feel like The Office is my friend. Okay, friends, that's in my top five. Yeah. Well, but the office is mine. I know, but okay, I'm great. counting. Okay, they cool. can't see my hand on the podcast, <laughs> but I have five fingers up, and yeah. I now have three. Uh, Queer as Folk 
and Veronica Mars, mm. I feel like, are all kind of the top group yeah. of mine. I actually don't know now that we've gone down this that I have five. <laughs> but my first one would be, my, they're kind of tied, is I Love Lucy and Dick Van Dyke. Like, it's what I watched when I was a kid. I can, yeah. I will still laugh at every I Love Lucy episode ever. Um, but then Friends and Friday Night Lights, for sure, and West Wing, probably. Like, oh, nice. Yeah. Good yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. And you're right. It is like the time. We were actually just talking to Karina about this. She was like, well, I don't know. There are different. Well, it was about music. Mm-hmm. She was saying music is brings me back to specific memories. And it's the same thing TV. with TV shows. You know, like I watch Buffy usually around this time every year because I started watching it around this time. Like, yeah. I don't know, eight years ago or whenever I finally binged it. Yeah. And it's just... Just well, it makes do. you wonder, like, too. I've thought about this actually more with movies than TV shows, but like, The Princess Bride is like my favorite movie of all time. Ugh. I feel bad for people who try to watch it at like age forty because I just don't think that they can now. Like, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, it's great and I, it stands up, right. but that you just don't have all of the emotions and you don't forgive the bad effects, which are really not as bad as people think that they are. But like, it just—it's never going to be what it was to me at. Six, seven, eight, nine, like whatever. Like watching it with your parents. Yeah, Buffy the movie, like was a huge one. I know. We've been talking about it a lot this week because we were talking a lot about Luke Perry and who he was to different people. Like my boyfriend immediately was like, "He will always be eight seconds to me, like always." And I was like, "Oh, I didn't know that that came." And like everybody was talking about nine hundred two and zero, but and for sure, Dylan McCabe. But Buffy was like him in Buffy the movie was like special for me, and I've seen that movie like thirty times. Oh my gosh, my husband and I, like, he doesn't care about that movie, but he thinks it's really funny, because I always go, ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't even know what that it's is, so, but he loves it. such a quotable movie. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, that's true. It's such a quote. Princess Bride and Buffy, the movie. Like, so, so quotable. Oh yeah, like, Absolutely. whenever we watch it, as a family, I have three little brothers, you know, it's always, Princess Buttercup. You know, and you say it like that. Do, yeah. And it's like, sounds well, stupid. Marriage. Marriage. You know, like, brings us together. And yeah. it's like, you know, those are inside jokes with your family or whoever you yeah. watched with yeah. it with when you were 10 years old yeah. or whatever. They, they just stick with you. Yes. So before we got to get you guys into this screening, what, um, for those that aren't aware of ATX Festival... Um, I don't think it's a festival Get just for people that are in the industry, but maybe no, just creators that want to be or super fans that just love TV. What, how yeah. do you want to Our pitch line us? is that we are truly, so we are a third past, a third current, and a third premiere in terms of the shows that we showcase. So that is Cancel Too Soon, Never Picked Up Pilots, Reunions, anything that's over, anything currently being made, even if it's like in between seasons, and then premiere of new stuff. And then it's panel conversations about, like, fun TV things. Like, female gaze. So fun. <laughs> um, and then the audi- our audience and what makes it really special and we fiercely protect is that it is half fan and half industry. And that fan can be an industry hopeful, but they could just freaking love television. We used to call them, we still do, DVD extra fans, which is an outdated term, but it's the idea that, like, you care about story, you care about... Uh, characters and the creators are the showrunners, or the creators are the sort of rock stars of the festival. So it's just people who love TV, and then the industry that comes. What has been the beautiful thing is like they love TV just as much as the fans. Like they're going to things. Like I used to say this all the time that one of my favorite memories was watching showrunners run full sprint to West Wing reunion to hear Aaron Sorkin talk. Like, like the creators of some of your favorite shows were just needed to be in the audience. So it's a celebration of TV for 
anybody that wants yeah. to go. We also lovingly call it TV camp for grown-ups, which is uh, really what it feels like. I mean, it feels like you're at summer camp for four days, and as opposed to outside playing dodgeball or whatever you do at summer camp now, you are inside watching TV. But it's you're talking margaritas. and drinking margaritas yes. and <laughs> laughing and bonding over your shows, and people are sitting around the balcony at night talking about TV, that it's really... It just has that kind of fun camp feel to it, and people come back year after year and bring friends and make new friends, and so they get really excited to come from all over to see each other for those four days. Discover something new and celebrate something old. And it's that way for attendees and for the industry, because the industry, even though they most of them live in Los Angeles, never get to see each other because they're all working on their shows, and LA is such a big city. And so they look forward to it as well, where they get to come and actually hang out and see each other and catch up with each other. So you get to see that from attendees depressed to panelists all across the board that's so fun that's, that's super fun and yeah. you guys um before we started recording you'd mentioned that you have a podcast that you put some of the content up what yes. can you tell us about that it's called the tv campfire and it started as five original episodes that were based on panels from the previous year and so they were either two people or three people having a, a conversation a kind of scaled down version of the panel but more um in studio without in an studio, audience. Yeah. And then, so we released those, and those are amazing. One of them is Marta Kaufman and her daughter Hannah talking about the pitch of Friends and Grace and Frankie, because Hannah, Grace and Frankie was Hannah's idea, and now Hannah produces on it. It's the best. It's a magical it's a, episode. It's so good, and it's mother-daughter and uh, all of the memories the two of them have. And then post-festival, we started releasing a lot of our panels as podcasts. So we will give a little intro and talk about them, and then you hear the actual. So you hear panels. like Vince Gilligan and Bob Odenkirk talking about Better Call Saul. Um, we did a couple of writer, uh, the Nash Bridges Writers Room, which is like Carlton Cuse from Lost, and Glenn Mazzara from The Shield, and John Worth from Hell on Wheels. Like it's at a bonkers writers yeah, room, yeah. talking about like Nash Bridges. Like you would never have guessed. Um, so we, it's kind of, for people who come to the festival, you can't go to everything, so you want to listen to them. But if you yeah. don't come to the festival, yeah. it's a way to sort of like... It's a good it's taste a of what it is. Yeah. You get to really feel it. Yeah, yeah the That's TV super campfire. fun. We'll be sure to put the link for those in this um, article so you guys can check it out. Sorry for my freak out. I had a really embarrassing experience with Carlton Cuse because <laughs> I, he's like one of my role models. Oh, he's, oh, he's, he's fantastic. Dude, with the was, best voice yes. for radio, right? obviously. Oh, it was awful. We were at San Diego Comic-Con like three years ago, and it was when he was promoting Colony. This might have been four <laughs> years ago. <laughs> so bad. So I went. Emily did something similar to Rob yeah, Thomas once, but she, he doesn't remember. Oh, so it's God. Fine. well, oh no, this guy Carlson will remember. So I was in. They were like at Petco Stadium or Field yeah. or whatever it's called. I asked a really great question. I was really proud of myself. It went fine. We ended up being behind him and hit, and it was Sarah Wayne Callies uh -huh. and um, uh, Josh Holloway, uh -huh. and you know these, those are great people. Walking Dead, Lost, Colony. And I don't know why I said it, but I was standing on, like, a pile of mulch around a tree. <laughs> and he was in front of me, and I was like, Carlton! And he just kind of turned around, and I was like, you're awesome, man. And he goes, Gosh. And he just, like, turned around and walked away, and I, was, and I had, like, my backpack on. Yeah, it's not that bad. And I was just like, oh. And I, but all these people were looking at me, because, you know, San Diego's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Comic Con, yep. and everyone was just staring at me. And I was like on this like mm -hmm. mountain of mulch. With <laughs> 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 my nerdy backpack. Yes. Yeah, so everyone was just kinda like and it was at like an intersection crossing a street, so people were like she just Okay. Yeah, you okay, honey? So it was fine. 
Yeah, so one day, you Those know, you make up I'll make up for it. You will. Yeah. I think we all have a story yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I did it for fine. Carrie always at Princess Bride. I, like, oh. word vomited that I loved him. Mm. Like, I couldn't stop the words. They just, they were falling out of my mouth. Like, yeah. It was very uncomfortable for everybody. I was very, like, it wasn't in an audience. It was, like, yeah. a one-on-one. Like, he was petting a dog. It was oh. awkward. Good for you, girl. Yeah. It's okay. You need to, we need yeah. to have those experiences. You know? It's and fine. And with Rob, Rob Thomas. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I just had no idea what I was saying, but yeah. felt the need Luckily, to say something. Luckily, did not bring up the festival. I know. Time. It was before the first <laughs> festival, and so I did not mention that we were in the heavy planning stages for it, but it was more just... <laughs> A word moment of what a fan that I was and how much that I love. Oh. Well, we have we a have special a guest. We have a special guest. Perfect McKenzie. We're going to send you guys off with the grand doing. finale. Really just, really just crashing the, the situation. <laughs> yeah. We're making we're it all about me. No, you are the guest of honor. We're right? talking about awkward <laughs> interactions, so it was a perfect <laughs> <laughs> We actually were. Yeah. We really it was awkward start. I'm going to get a drink. That was Karina McKenzie, guest of honor, y'all. Yeah, so I didn't want to tell Karina... Thank God she just slept. Um, mine was Stephen Amell. <laughs> yeah. So it was like the first celebrity that I met, and it was at a convention. And I didn't know what to say, and I was just like, went ghost. And I was just like staring at him. And he's like, you know, a few feet away from me. And I was just like, hold your face. And I said it so awkwardly and so loud, and my husband was just like, Well, he had a scab what? or something, right? Like, yes. something happened to his the- face? And it was like, I didn't know how to speak or act. Yeah. And then I was yeah. like, and, like, I enjoy him a fair amount, like, a normal human amount. Yeah. But, like, for some reason, being that close to the Green Arrow and, yeah. like, having yeah. never really met a celebrity, I was just like... <laughs> you know, sometimes you just, you don't have yeah. control over your body you or also, your voice, vocal levels. Sometimes totally. you don't know who's going to do that to you. Like, yes. you're like, oh, was, I would be fine around this person, and then all of a sudden nope. they turn around and you're like, I can't speak to you, and I had no idea that you were going to have this yeah. effect on me. Carlton. Yeah. <laughs> See, everyone can nerd out, guys. That's the yeah. lesson here. See, yeah. You can fan work out. in TV and still fan out. Yes, yeah, you can. Absolutely. Love well, it. thanks so much for joining, Thank ladies. You can purchase your ATX Television Festival badge now on atxfestival.com. Subscribe to all of Pure Fandom's podcasts on iTunes and SoundCloud.